Rachel Needle from Talking With Tech. And I'm Chris Bouguet from Talking With Tech. We have a podcast dedicated to augmentative and alternative communication, all things related to helping kids with complex communication needs. If you have a passion for helping people with language disabilities, this is the show for you. Each episode features an interview or a roundtable discussion on a topic related to augmentative communication and helping people with language disabilities. And we're really passionate about giving practical strategies to clinicians working in the field who are working with children or adults, anything related to AAC. So you can look us up on iTunes or you can find us on Facebook. We've got a group over there or check out our website at bit.ly slash TWT podcast. Please join our community of professionals that are working to ensure that everyone can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it. The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect like the, the policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact, contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science episode number 109. We are proud members of the Exceptional Podcast Network. I'm Matt Hot, joined as always, the mouth in the south, Michelle Wintering. That's a new one. Hi, Matt. It's WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> and the ultimate warrior of therapy, Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. It's WrestleMania. I've got to give it to you. It is a two-night event for WrestleMania with no crowds. So if you want to watch 14 hours of wrestling with no background noise, that is the way to do it. And I am not watching any of it, and I am 100% okay with that. <laughs> On to No? No I'm wrestling not, fans. I'm not watching it. Sorry. <laughs> you are not watching or listening to a WrestleMania podcast. You're listening How are they to doing? Speech How are they doing WrestleMania? Uh, we'll talk about that. In, uh, it's at the Performance Center. It's on the, the app. That's all I know. Really? I'm not watching it. I don't watch it, honestly, anymore. I bailed on it about six months ago when it got boring. All right. I'll come back to it, but right now I'm not watching it. On today's episode, we spoke. I spoke with Leanna Sherrod from Expressible, an online speech and language therapy company, to talk about ways to implement teletherapy. Also today, we're going to talk about the 2020 Medicare outpatient coding changes, external memory aids, and changes to educational law, all because of COVID-19. The informed SLP looks at the long-term adverse effects of a concussion. Of course, our SSPOD due process and shout-outs. And we always try to find something good that Ash is doing for us. But first, we want to hear from you, as always. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. You can email us, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. Give us a phone call or text, 614-681-1798. That's all. Oh, and hashtag SSPOD, right? Hashtag SSPod. Hashtag SSPod. All right, so that is all out of the way. Let's start like we always do. 
Tell us something good that has happened to you and based on random order. Michelle, you are up first because you're at the top of my screen. What's been going on with you in the past week? Uh, well, just something positive is that we have gotten outside as much as we can because we've had some really great weather, including a couple awesome hikes locally. So I feel like we're exploring some um, not popular places in order to maintain some social distance and get some sunshine. They're saying we should change that to physical distance and not social distance. I agree with that. That's a good change and an important language distinction. They've already got yeah. social distancing in my head, so they, they they ruined it. I know they so, missed the mark on that. Yeah, they, they, they missed the mark. I'm ago. not going to start saying physical distancing now. So have you come seen, on, man? Have you seen though? This was another bright spot of my week. The Wiggles out of Australia, right? The kids show. Do you know the Wiggles? Yeah, I know the Wiggles. Okay, they um, made. <laughs> of course, who doesn't? You do. yeah, who doesn't know, know the Wiggles? wiggles. Yeah, I don't, who I don't, doesn't know the Wiggles? I don't know the Wiggles. So you don't really know out. the Wiggles? He doesn't mm -hmm. have little toddlers running around. Oh, fair enough. Um, and anyways, they made a social distancing song, and it is amazing with a music video in which they all maintain the appropriate physical distance. So, like six feet. Uh huh. I saw a Joe Exotic meme that said the effective distance of social distancing is the length of one alligator or tiger. Depends on the size of the alligator. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Michael McLeod, how's your week been? First, Are you social distancing or physical distancing? First of all, I just want to say, look at Michelle's beautiful hair and look at us. Right? It's we had ours hacked. I, before we signed on air, I complimented both of you on your quarantine haircuts. Look at that. <laughs> Who did yours, Mike? Uh, my wife and I together. Ooh. Yeah. My my wife did my haircut, and I just sat in the driveway and played on my phone and took pictures. Oh, it's like the kids when they distract them <laughs> on the <laughs> I just went, I went as short as possible, so it lasts long, and I kind of like it. Not See? Lie. My wife's like, so what do they do for your haircut? And I was like, oh, they do a one on the sides and then just finger length on the top. She's like, that's it? And I was like, that's it. And she's like, how much do you pay for this? And I was like... $24 plus a $6 tip. Yep. Oh. She's like, what? Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, it's the service, yeah. man. It's, it's all about the hot towel. So what are you doing for your wife, Kim, after that haircut then? So to, <laughs> to pay her in some capacity, give her a break. Do <laughs> I'm still working in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic. That is what I am doing. And I told her, I said, oh. I will rate her on, uh, on a Google. Yelp review. <laughs> I'll give her a Yelp review. I already gave it to her. I said it was one star. Conversation was okay. Haircut was a little bit on the slow side. The Might slow come side. back. <laughs> Took her like an hour. Haircuts in the hot driveway. <laughs> Mike, what, what would be the Yelp rating of your wife's haircut? Um, I would probably have to go with the perfect score just because. Five stars. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. See, I demand excellence. <laughs> <laughs> You've got I high like expectations. I have high expectations. No, she did a great job. But yeah, no, man. Quarantine haircuts, they're a thing. What else have you been doing this week, Mike? Uh, I would say it was a very successful week of, uh, of teletherapy. I think we got a nice little, some nice momentum going with the families. Uh, I'm in constant contact with them. They also happen to have a lot of free time. It's a nice little coincidence there. So I'm doing a lot more collaboration with parents, a lot more conversation with them. Uh, and it's, it's been really good. Um, parents have, you know, with their more, with their increased free time, have been able to follow through on a lot of the programs in terms of uh, decreasing screen time, increasing exercise, you know, more uh, quality work done with their online learning. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been, you know, in, in terms of me talking to the parents 
you know, in the clinic and then they drive home and then all hell breaks loose. Uh, it's been kind of, it's, it's been kind of nice to kind of, uh, to work with parents and, and help them follow through on some plans. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I have started the, I built my Google, or I'm sorry, my Blackboard classroom. Cause I found out my Google classroom, all the kids could see each other, which then meant all the parents could see who was in speech therapy. Hmm. So I didn't like that. I didn't like the idea of a parent or another kid seeing another kid that's not in their social group. Gotcha. Seeing yeah. each other being like, oh, why is Jimmy in speech? And it just, I didn't want to be the one to start that conversation with a kid. Um, and then other than that, still going out. I got some N95 masks, y'all. Oh, okay. All right. I, I had to call a buddy who owns a business that is a manufacturing plant. And I'm like, do you have any N95 masks? He's like, I have the ones with the little heat ventilator in the front. And I was like, perfect. Hmm. He's like, he's like, I can only give you three. And I was like, even that is awesome. So I get to rotate my masks once a day, or I'm sorry, once every three days. So brown bag it in the back of the car. It is still so amazing to me that, that we are the United States of America and we're, we're Mm -hmm. on short supply of masks. Did you guys see that video of that nurse that quit her job after she was told uh, to work that. work in a COVID floor with no mask at all? They said you're you're not you have no mask today. We're not giving you a mask. Go work with all these COVID patients. Mm-mm. She instantly quit. And then what? she was and then she was on Good Morning America, CNN, mm-hmm. all this stuff. But it's just it's unbelievable. My That's big crazy. thing I will always tell new therapists, and I tell anybody that I work with when they get upset is is this the hill you want to die on meaning is this worth being upset for and mm-hmm. i a hundred percent agreed with her when her hill to die on was you get one mask or no masks in the middle of your your situation for me i am walking into homes of people who i know have not been exposed to anything theoretically Mm-hmm. that I'm most likely the biggest exposure exposure risk that they have. Mm-hmm. So if I'm wearing the same mask, as long as I'm following the safety guidelines that they, they're telling me to do, I feel okay with it. But that's completely different if I was working in a hospital. Yeah. It's crazy out there. It's really – I've seen so many videos now of um, – nurses praying on like the helicopter pad on top of the heli- on top of the hospital mm-hmm. uh them singing on the job it's just it's unbelievable what they're doing and obviously with this particular the particulars of this virus obviously the continued exposure to it gives you a much worse case of it so these doctors oh is that what it is that's yeah yeah so 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 these nurses and doctors who are getting it are getting it like a, a very very bad version of it that's why they're dot like in Italy. So many doctors died. So many nurses died. It's uh, it's, it's really bad. Well, we'll just log that on to the next things I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you doing at home? Let us know. Speech science podcast dot com speech science pod or seats speech science podcast at gmail uh, dot com and phone calls or text messages 614-681-1798 do we have any shout outs or due processes on this week's episode guys i don't have any from the instagram no complaints there nobody sent in any shout outs at this time i will oh, take i've no got due i do have a, uh, here i've got a shout out okay go for it <laughs> 
Um, she wrote in once to our show last year. Her name is Courtney Claxon, and I believe she's in her CFY right now. But um, she also got together, connected a group of um, military speech language pathologists and audiologists for a COVID-19 social hour happy hour over the weekend. So I thought that was cool via Zoom. That That's is awesome. very yeah, cool. Connecting um, SLPs and audiologists across the country. Yeah. Very cool. Mike, do you have any shout outs or due processes? Uh, not that I can think of. Um, okay. Yeah, not that I can think of. Well, we want to hear from you and we want to recognize the people that deserve to be recognized. Teletherapists, NICU, SLPs, anybody that you feel is doing an above the board job. Hit us up, hashtag SSPod shout out, or you can email it to us. And if there's something you want to complain, you want to take it to the court of public appeal. It is SSPod due process. You could be like Courtney. She's hanging out in our Discord. And the Discord conversations this week were about doing online therapy in the school-based SLP realm. But uh, I've been messing with the Discord and finally got the pictures up there on Discord. Are you guys signed up for the Discord yet? Not yet, but I will. Come on. It's like an <laughs> online chat room, but it's for us. And we're opening it up free for everybody out there. So make sure you head over to the link below. It is on our Discord. Let's start off with a little bit of dry business, I guess. it's If you're on the business side, if you're a private practice owner, Mike, this is important to you. Michelle and I, we just put in codes sometimes and have no idea what any of them mean. But evidently, Medicare has changed... <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Oh, I, I do know what they mean. <laughs> you know what I mean, but you, but they, they don't have any drastic effect on us. Medicare outpatient role brings coding changes and reevaluations. Uh, a couple for audiology, but Mike, you noticed what big one that affects you uh, this year that started back on January 1. Yeah, yeah. So this is some real some real riveting stuff here. Uh, 2020 Medicare outpatient rule uh, coding changes. Uh, this really has to do with the single cognitive function code change. Uh, first of all, the conversion factor for 2020, $36.09 is slightly higher than the 2019 factor of $36.04. Up and is that per cents. unit? Is that per unit you were saying? That is per unit, yes. So if you see somebody for an hour and that's four units, you're getting reimbursed at $36 a unit? Well, that's a that's an interesting question because before we had the untimed code yep. and now we're moving to a timed code. But the timed uh, code is only for the cognitive part, right? Yes. So we're looking at the cognitive part. Right. So uh, most one, of yeah. them, Matt, because if you treat somebody for language, mm -hmm. you're, you're right. only going to get that reimbursement for however long you see them, whether it's 15 minutes or 60 minutes. Yes. See, I don't understand any of this. Yeah, honestly. it's it, it's very annoying, but all the information is there on the ASHA website, so it's all there. If you if you uh, go to asha.org, you type in CPT codes, they'll give you all the information there. You have to do a little digging to figure out exactly what it is. Uh, but in terms of the big change for 2020, uh, the code 97127, which is Cognitive Function Intervention, uh, it, it's an untimed code that is now deleted and is being replaced with two timed codes. So if you're billing for an hour of cognitive function intervention, for the first 15 minutes, you have to put 97129, and then each additional 15 minutes is going to be 97130. So you sort of have to kind of pace out what you're doing on a 15-minute 
interval uh, and really show how long the session is and make sure that everything's coded correctly to ensure that the patient receives the, uh, the reimbursement. Okay, so dumb question. I'm looking at the CPT codes. 92507, treatment of speech, language, voice, communication. It's $81.20. Is that a time code or is that just like just untimed? Uh, it should say there. I believe that one is untimed. Yeah, okay. that's because the, that's, that's a broad speech mm-hmm. therapy one. Usually with that, you're going to have some some ICD-10 codes that go along with it, whether it's apraxia, dysarthria, gotcha. articulation, whatever it may be. Uh, but I think they're moving towards making every single code timed uh, moving forward. Is that good or bad? Um, it's well, a, they it, used to be timed uh, years back, and then speech went to untimed codes, but physical and occupational therapy have still been doing time codes this whole time. Mm-hmm. And then now it looks like we're moving more back that way. See, were they were they timed when we graduated, Michelle? I believe so. Because I remember timed codes during my outpatient mm-hmm. yep. placement. But see, this is the stuff that keeps me from opening a private practice. Well, if you didn't deal with insurance, you'd only have to do the super bills. And yeah, there there are there are some <laughs> private practices that don't do super bills at all. That just just don't mm-hmm. want don't want to get involved with it. Don't want to do the paperwork. Don't want to be on the phone with insurance companies. Mm-hmm. You can you can make that clear to families. I'm not going to do a super bill. Uh, those sorts of things. And these things change, seem to change every single year. Um, and it's really not that complicated. Um, and some insurance companies, as they as they kind of get to know you, will allow you to kind of resubmit and make some correct corrections, resubmit. Uh, cool. But it, it's really not as bad as it seems. But if you are in network, <laughs> you're in network, it's a it's a whole other whole other animal than being out of network. Now, dumb question, and and you don't have to talk about your private practice in general, or like your private practice specifically, but in general, as a private practice owner, do you talk to other private practice people, and do you guys set prices based around the Medicare reimbursement? Uh, yes. Um, okay. Yeah, you you always want to see what the going rate is in your area, what's a fair rate in your area, what what's going to allow you to serve uh, the surrounding population, and you know all different people. So everyone, everyone does sort of what's best for them and based on what they specialize in. Uh, but it's very, very important if you're in private practice to speak to other private practitioners in the area. And nowadays, there's so many SLPs there. No matter where you are, you're going to have, I don't want to use the word competition because it's really not that way. Right. There's so many kids to serve. But there's always going to be someone you can talk to to kind of bounce ideas off of and collaborate with and those sorts of things. That's fair. Yep. I still think it's a little bit on the crazy, like confusing side, but you know what? All, 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 whatever to you guys who try and do it and make it work. I, I give you guys credit. Well, you, you were, I remember you talking about all the stuff that you do uh, as a school SLP, how you, how you do billing, but there's and no IEPs and, and, IE, and IEPs and all yep. that stuff. You know, there's, there's really, there's nothing that compares to some of the paperwork use, that yeah. you guys are doing. And to use our own lingo, it's just a different speech code. You you learn Ugh. it once you do it, and you catch on. I was just, just like I was just. To, he's like, Ugh, and then he takes a drink. <laughs> All right, how's this affecting you? Are you doing private practice? Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Email us speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com or give us a phone call or text 614 681 
888-532-1798. I did find out, I think, last week that the Google Voice app will let me text message people back. And I almost wanted to do that. And you could also hit us up on the hashtag SSPod. Let's start off this next one. Did you guys see this external memory aid treatment for mild cognitive impairment? I use uh, external memory aids with all my adult patients. uh, And we also do some in the schools. Uh, We were having a mini conversation off the air. And Mike, you had a really good point about external memory aids before we get into the discussion. Yeah, so this Asha Wire article really centers around uh, adult cognitive rehab. And it's mm-hmm. older adults. Yeah, with, older, um, exactly. Yeah, with memory loss. Mild uh, yeah. memory loss, yeah. But just to kind of compare it to overall what's happening right now um, with the transition from school services to teletherapy services, I think there's a lot of SLPs out there that this teletherapy thing was sort of thrust upon them very fast uh, and did not allow them to effectively treatment plan or or whatever it may be. So I think a lot of these teletherapy sessions um, really started with creating a visual schedule, not only for the student, but also with the families. So mm-hmm. I know I know my first week of teletherapy, I would say maybe 80 to 90% of my sessions involved talking to the parents, finding out what they want them to do every day, making them a schedule and submitting it and you know making it a collaborative pro- uh, process finding out when they want them to wake up, when they want them to exercise, to when they want them to, to be away from screens, when they want them to do schoolwork, uh, or, or, or you know when the family time is, all that kind of stuff. So these schedules, I think, have become an increased part of the SLP uh, life now that we're doing teletherapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, something that's really important to remember are uh, these verbal schedules where, it, for instance, if it says... Uh, eight o'clock, wake up, uh, eight 30, brush your teeth, uh, nine o'clock, eat breakfast. It's very important to remember that a lot of this is executive functioning because it's the ability to begin a non-preferred task, organize task initiation, those sorts of things. Uh, and it's very important to remember that all executive functioning starts with non-verbal working memory, not verbal working memory. Um, and this is something that the great Sarah Ward who's a fellow speech pathologist. Uh, you can find her at cognitiveconnections.com, efpractice.com. She's incredible. She always speaks at ASHA. She always talks about how executive functioning starts with nonverbal working memory, the ability to use the internal visual system to visualize the end result. So a child needs to be able to visualize themselves getting out of bed, brushing their teeth, going downstairs, uh, really, uh, all of this task planning that we're talking about takes place in a different time and space from where, where you're going to execute the task. So if a child is still laying in bed, it's important for them before they get out of bed to kind of visualize themselves getting out of bed, getting dressed, brushing their teeth, eating breakfast, starting their work, those sorts of things. So it's the visual imagery system that is so crucial to executive functioning. If it just starts with verbal like a lot of these uh, these verbal schedules that just mm-hmm. write out with words what to do. Uh, I, always, I always instruct my parents to take pictures of their kids, take pictures of them getting out of bed, take pictures of them brushing their teeth, pictures of them eating breakfast, pictures of them sitting down doing work, and use that as the schedule instead of the written out schedule so that the child has the visual to kind of visualize themselves doing the task first. 
Now, a question for you, Mike, to yep. develop your executive functioning skills, because you're talking about um, most likely a younger child, right, who needs these supports or needs to develop EF skills, then do you phase those out? Do you start with real pictures and then move to something else? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really what you absolutely want is you want to start with full prompting the visual pictures. And then the ultimate goal would be for the child to follow that schedule without the schedule to not even need it written out at all, just to know what to do based on the clock, based on the clock and their own internal working memory. So if the child were, were to be able to follow the schedule, maybe if it was just written out in their iPhone, written out, you know, on a piece of paper in their own handwriting, Maybe you ask the child to write down the schedule themselves before they go to bed and then follow that the next day. Um, mm -hmm. As minimal prompting, as long as the child is independent with it and there's no uh, adult prompting where the adult's like, oh, five minutes left of this and then what's next? Uh, executive functioning is all about decreasing what the parent's doing and increasing what the child is doing. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that takes, makes no sense that you would want to makes total sense that you would want to fade it out to where they don't need it or they need the minimal part that they can do themselves. Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. I still at... need that. I need my calendar with my, with my quick notes of what's happening for the day. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, looking at the study, they actually say for adults with memory issues or, or mild neurocognitive decline can learn to maintain the external memory aids such as calendars as long as there is direct therapy teaching the use of the calendar. So instead of just saying, put it on a calendar, you take them through the role play scenario where you teach the adult to use the calendar. And I'm sure Mike, you're kind of doing the same thing or, or teletherapists are doing the same thing as they're walking the parents through the steps of doing this at home. Yeah. Yeah. These uh, pretty much all of this unstructured time now is really what's creating the, the issues within the family dynamic. Uh, before everything was, you know, when school's in session, it's get up here, get to the bus at this time, you're in school until this time, you come home, you do your schoolwork, and having the structure is great. Uh, but all of this unstructure is so difficult on these families, and us as SLPs can be a great resource to them to create a schedule and teach them how to, uh, how to teach their child to be independent. So the, the less stress on the parent, mm -hmm. because the child is more independent. One of the biggest problems I recognize when I do adult therapy, especially with early dementia patients or stroke rehab, is that the patient says, yeah, I know how to use a calendar. And during the first evaluation or even the second day, we may not be getting to the external memory aid part of therapy. And I'll say, okay, just put me down on your calendar. And they'll write it on like a piece of notebook paper that is just sitting out. And it's just got a bunch of other random notes and scribbles on it and i'm like you know what we're gonna focus on that next time let's let's go do that and you know i'll come back and i'll be like where's your calendar that we gave you and they're like i have no idea where it's at yeah i'm like ah i just saw one of the authors on this is michelle s i'm gonna say virgo virgo uh, how you mm -hmm. say her last name correctly but is that the same i feel like i recognize that name from grad school actually from adult cognitive with memory books, am I right? I need to look that up. I have no idea. Maybe. It might be. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find that out because I think that may be the same researcher um, who did a lot of work with memory books to aid in recall and narratives and storytelling for um, for adults for makes older sense. adults later in life. 
One of the things I try to get my other therapists to do in home care when we look at external memory aids is to make sure that they're trying to schedule their therapy at the same time to help build that memory and that routine so the calendar is easier to look at and easier to fill out. Yep, that's her. Memory and communication aids for people with dementia. Well, what do you nice. know? Nice, look at that. All right. Do you use external memory aids either for students, children, adults, your parents, your family? Go to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Email us speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com or give us a phone call or a text 614-681-1798 or interact directly with Michelle and Michael at hashtag SSPod or with us over on the Discord. Our last article is coming out of thehill.com. Uh, the Corona bill, the coronavirus bill may allow Betsy DeVos to waive parts of the federal special education law originally reported in the New York Times. I am very split on this because on <laughs> one side, as a school-based therapist, I'm looking at not just my hours, but the the minutes and hours accumulating from special education, all the related services all of the missed classes and looking at how do we even start to make up time? Are we going to ask the kids to come back in June or July? But then on the flip side, I worry about kids not receiving therapy. This is not one of those situations that I feel like is very cut and dry. I'm with, I'm with you on that, Matt, because I read this article and the, the news updates that I've read about the stimulus and what changes special ed could expect. And I, you know, there is literally so much time in the day for both the children and their families and for the therapists or the special ed teachers working with them. So I feel like there has to be some sort of flexibility and give, but um, but also how do you define that, right? Do you, mm -hmm. Does the stimulus just give unlimited definition of what that can be? Or are we making an adaptation for a specific period? Like, I feel like it's very unclear. Yeah, and, and let's let's be honest. Our school SLPs who see their weekly sessions double, triple, are they gonna get pay increases? Are they no. gonna no, none of the no. none of this stuff is going to happen. And well, we might if we have to work in the summertime, we will get our summer pay. Well, yeah, as part of as, as part of the ESY curriculum, which is right, right, which right. Is, or or uh, what is it? Um, compensatory. Yeah, yeah. Compens compensatory though, a lot of school districts will uh, contract out for comp ed. Oh, so, so there you go. I see, I, Mike's got I a see job. that. I see the <laughs> Well, I, just just in general, they'll say like this child has has this bank of hours. What outside private therapy? Not even just private therapists. Other just licensed therapists can we contract with to provide these services? Mm -hmm. So I heard an interesting thing about the compensatory strategy or the comp not compensatory strategy compensatory minutes is that compensatory is that through the school's fault they did not provide service and is this through the school's fault no i mean and that's where it becomes that weird gray issue like okay if you are always absent so like the way i was taught when i was coming up in the ohio area uh, as a school slp was that if i'm absent on a monday i'm expected to make up my therapy from that monday because that was my fault for missing mm -hmm. if a student is absent on a random monday I don't need to make up that time because the student was absent and just like other students, they have a little leeway. If that student is always an hour late for school, 
School starts at 8, gets there at 9 o'clock every day, and you schedule him at 8.15 every Monday, knowing he won't be there, you have to make up that time through compensatory or compensatory uh, therapy. Hmm. Because you are you know what his limitations are, or hers, and you are not scheduling them. With a pandemic closure, I don't even know how this falls under. Like, I know if it's a school delay in a snowstorm, we're expected to make up time. But if the school's closed, we don't have to make up that time. Yeah, in, in many... Here in Ohio. Yeah, in many ways, it's a lose-lose situation for a lot of SLPs. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, obviously, we want to provide these services for our students. You know, not that's 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 not part of the question. But having um, having your caseload triple is not, yes. you know, basic therapy, you know, can't replace quality therapy. Yeah. Like you can just say, oh, my kid is now getting getting speech five times a week, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's getting what he needs. It doesn't and, mean it's mm-hmm. beneficial. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. So this is going to be something, you know, and of course the parents just want the services, want the services, but you know, us as SLPs, of course, you want to provide the services. But there's only so much one SLP can do. And there's and if you're working in a school, you're working in a clinic, you're working somewhere else, there's always going to be limited resources, limited staff, limited salaries to go around, lim- uh, limited resources, limited rooms, limited time. Uh, so it's there's so much of this is outside of our control. So Matt, now, question yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. If you could just be the deciding power, like right now with all of the stuff going on of what to do, do. to do, what what would be something you would do? <laughs> like what, you know, what, if it was budget, wasn't an issue, whatever else, just what would be a, a plausible solution as a school SLP? Hot seat. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay. Are we taking financials out of it? Yeah. No. Let's take financial out for now. Yes. I think realistically, SLPs need to be looking at their caseloads before this pandemic. And we need to be identifying students that truly will benefit from our services versus the students that we feel benefit just being around us. Um, And we all have kids on our caseload that we go, they're not really making any growth. They've kind of plateaued, but I'm going to keep them on here because they really benefit from the XYZ time. So basically think, like a triage therapy model. Yeah, for this and, I, and I guess we should well, I think we should have already been looking at our caseloads. And going forward, we really do need to look at our caseloads about the, you know, the kid that is working on lateralized L's or R's in sophomore year of high school. If they are not having an adverse effect in the education, that's a private practice therapy. And we really need to, I guess I like that word, triage our caseload to prioritize the kids that really do benefit from our field, our scope of practice, which we are communication and speech experts. We have to apply our trade. And I am trying to be so PC. I am walking this line. I, know, I hope you I guys know. are understanding. Yeah. But we, we have to be really good at identifying what our caseload needs and then going all in to make up the time on those kids that really benefit from us. You know, the kid that already has a communication device that is working with us to identify the appropriate endings on an adverb maybe doesn't need to make up that time with us. Maybe. It, it, case by case. 
but that student that you've just got that new device for that you're trialing eye gaze or switch interaction mm-hmm. this is the critical time that you're missing Definitely. that kid that is going from 75 percent intelligible to 90 percent you know what maybe 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 they don't need that made up time well maybe that kid that's at five percent you know yeah. this is that critical time that they're losing Matt, maybe I'm in like dream world, Ooh. but I, I got under the height heat lamp you're right good. there. Man. I put you on the hot <laughs> seat, Mr. Well hot. done. Well done. Um, but I, you know, maybe I'm in dream world, but I wish we could not focus so much on the minutes written in an IEP and focus more on what, like you said, that individual kid needs. I think the problem with that is if you take away the minutes, you're going to have school districts and SLPs, the unscrupulous SLPs and the unscrupulous school districts that are going to... I told you I'm in dreamland, but that's my wish. I know, I know. The problem is, is the reason why there are laws, and what was it? Bill Angvill said this. The reason why there are warnings on the lawnmower not to use it as a hedge trimmer is because someone once started their lawnmower, picked it up, and got their fingers cut off. The reason we have laws and we have minimal IEP times is because somebody somewhere said, oh, your nonverbal kid that needs a communication device benefits from me seeing them once a week for five minutes. I mean, that is like you like I unfortunately like with something like this where we're, you know, Davos, who I wouldn't trust to monitor my toast from being burned in a toaster might not be completely wrong in this situation where we're looking at, do we have to eliminate the standards for everybody this school year? Because it's not just our kids that are in the special education system. It's my son who's in kindergarten. It's, you know, kids in, in Germany that are not in school right now. It's not just a localized event because of a flooding or a tornado. It's a worldwide pandemic causing closures Mm-hmm. And every kid across the board is going to be delayed. Well, and I think the, and, the language of it, like you're saying, is it not making up the minutes for these months of this school mm-hmm. year and then starting fresh with the regular minutes required when school is back in session or, you know, what, what specifically is the mm-hmm. description there? Yeah. And if it's just open-ended, it could gut special mm-hmm. education and it could cause all of us to yeah. lose jobs. Yep. If it is just specific to this event till the end of this school year, I, I I mean, they're already talking about here in Ohio that a kid that was on track to graduate is going to graduate. But you already know that those competitive colleges, that's going to be hard for them. I was wa- reading a feed about undergraduates in the speech and language field their teachers are giving or their professors are giving them the option as a pass fail for the second semester. And there are people, and I'm one of them that are saying, don't do that. Because when you look to get into grad school, you're going to want that grade. You don't want something that just says pass. See, I don't remember that being as big of an, as big of an issue for the pass fail GPA. The GPA is, but yeah. That's what I mean. That doesn't, You're, does it well, pass fail affect your GPA? Well, you'll have like no, it, anatomy and physiology as 
pass instead pass, of pass fail pass. doesn't go towards your overall yeah, GPA. Yeah, that doesn't affect right. your yeah. GPA though. But but obviously when you send your transcripts and it shows that you were that's, that's that you were taking classes in the spring of 2020. Right, everybody's going to go, "Oh, yeah, pandemic." Like, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm a, I, I'm actually a fan of the pass fail. I, think I am too. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a very See, I think that's a good but, thing. I'd want my, I'm competitive. I want my grades. Yeah. But what if that grade is not what it could you'll still be? Have, you'll still have That's grades. True. You'll still have, you'll, you'll still true. get grades, like actual grades. So you can always create a portfolio and add hey, it. Hey, you're the one that gave me the decision-making in this fake scenario. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, from a school-based SLP solution, there is, or perspective, there's no real winning solution. No, there's not. Uh, what, when is there ever for these school-based SLPs? Like they're con they're con they're <laughs> right. they're con constantly con like whether they're in a in a meeting with an advocate or or they are they're asked to do something that uh, that that coincides with a session time or or whatever it may be. There yep. you know, there's there the system is is made is made to kind of uh, bring mm -hmm. these these SLPs down. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean. You know, I'm even thinking about how I would even schedule this in the fall if I have to make up kids and twice a week sessions, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I build my therapy schedule out that if I've got a kid that's got 120 minutes, he's on the schedule or she's on the schedule for 40 minutes so I can make the time up in three weeks. I, so that fourth week is Matt, I'm with you, though, like that something has to give on this, because what if, for example, you were switching jobs this year, you'd be picking up a caseload yeah. that you didn't even miss yeah. minutes for they're just minutes that need to be made up or what if you're one of those slps that got 100 kids on their schedule oh exactly and so i'm like something has to you're get. now seeing 200 kids a week some flexibility ooh, 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 has to i just happen. thought of that oh that sounds terrible yeah oh man so anyway what, what are your th tell us what you think people we need some input <laughs> yes we do speech science podcast.com email us speech science podcast at gmail.com phone call or text 614-681-1798 the discord is always open and you can also hashtag it ss pod coming up after the break i had an opportunity to talk to to talk with leanne sherrod from expressible.io uh, it is a way to connect speech and language pathologists through a telepractice service with people that want telepractice speech and language therapy you're listening to speech science <laughs> Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan. And I'm Martin Sibley. And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high-profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability. Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real-life journeys. So listen to the Exceptional Leaders Podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Speech Science. I'm Matt Hot. Telepractice, telehealth therapy has been in the news lately, and I'm excited to have 
Leanne Sherrod from Austin, Texas. Uh, she's a speech and language pathologist with Expressible on the show. Leanne, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And Leanne, you, uh, I think I see here, you went to your undergrad at George Washington University. You got your master's at Northwestern University. So you're originally one of us on the East Coast. And then you moved out to Texas, right? Yeah. Became uh, a Texan. <laughs> became a Texan. I had a job interview in Amarillo, Texas once. Never have I ever been to Amarillo. <laughs> yeah, I turned it down. I turned it down. <laughs> But I see here that your interests are accents and dialects. Uh, you've been in outpatient clinics, schools, early intervention. Uh, you're a home health therapist, so I support you there, or you were, because mm -hmm. I do the home health therapy now. And now you're big on this telepractice, telehealth therapy. And before we get into that, let's talk about you first. How did you become a speech and language pathologist? So that's actually where the accent and dialect part came in. Um, not that I do a whole heck of a lot because most of my experience has been in pediatrics and I'm not really <laughs> working on that with kids. Um, but my love of language and speech came a lot from growing up and just doing silly voices. I was always the member <laughs> of my family who could just nail a British accent or impersonate little cartoon characters. Um, and when I was headed to college, I, I thought that when I found the field of speech, I really thought that I would love to take it um, alongside my passion for acting and theater and become like an accent and dialect coach. But then once I actually started diving into it, I found so much more passion for the side of it that was about connecting with people and helping people who um, didn't, weren't born with the natural communication skills that other people have or had lost it at some point. So that passion really took over from just doing British accents all the time. <laughs> I save that for just being around my house. For having fun, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm a theater minor. My wife and I met doing a college theater production, totally not related to speech therapy. What is your favorite theater show? Oh, oh. Not necessarily that's one you've been in, but maybe just one that you really enjoy. Oh, that's such a hard, that's such a hard question. And so funny, I actually met my, well, I met my husband in undergrad and he, he definitely had a crush on me first. And when I first <laughs> talked to him, I was like telling him how I was going to audition for a chorus line hmm. and he decided to audition for it too. So we spent all this time together doing a chorus line, but he hates a chorus line. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really love a show called Urinetown. Hmm. Yeah. Have you heard of that one? My high school did that show when I was like a junior or senior. Yeah. I love it. I love when musicals don't take themselves too seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as like a straight play non-musical goes, that's hard. I don't, I, there's so many, <laughs> I can't even think about that, but my, my wife and I met doing Midsummer Night's Dream. I was one of the four lovers and she was the fairy that had to take me off stage. And, um, uh, I would say my favorite show would either be the producers or Avenue Q. Okay. And yes. If you know any of those shows, then you probably have a really good glimpse of yeah. <laughs> my personality. <laughs> so, okay, so you went from theater into speech therapy. You were in early intervention, home healthcare, in schools. What makes you want to make that change, that leap from going into people's homes, going into a work setting to sitting at home, which 
when this airs, hopefully we're all back to normal. But <laughs> a lot of us are scrambling right now to figure out how to do this telehealth. Yeah. Um, so I think what what drove me over to look at telepractice in a different light was having been out in the field and dealing, you know, in and out patient clinic. In um, I've never worked in an acute care hospital setting, but um, home health and even the you know bureaucracy bureaucracy that comes along with working in a school. I just continually felt stymied by insurance and. I know many of us do it. It feels like we're constantly jumping through their hoops and doing things on uh-huh. their terms that we sit there and feel like maybe that's not even the best thing for the the client, the patient. And sometimes then you wind, you were winding up with, I can't even see that patient or I can't even see that patient for months on end because of all these different insurance hoops. So um, the reason that we started to look at telepractice was to try to eliminate all that, to try to take the technology and the convenience of telepractice to cut the overhead costs on a private practice where we could go straight to the customer who was looking for speech and not have to deal with any of the things that came along with insurance. And and you got and, and when you say we, it's not just you, correct? Right, correct. It's not just me. Um, I we started the company. Um, my husband, Nicholas, who has worked in the healthcare tech industry for a while, um, and then some of his former colleagues who also bring their specialties to the table in um, product design and development, and the tech side, Ryan Inahosa and Spencer Magloff, who works on our marketing. And they, they, they too, as well, have worked in the healthcare tech realm, so they come with a lot of background knowledge on that side of the, the spectrum there. And, and I love, and the company that we're talking about, it's Expressible with Leanne. And I, I, before we get into your side, because I love some of the stuff that you guys are doing on the Expressible side, what was that like? I mean, we talk, we see the, I don't know if you're in the Facebook groups, we see the Facebook group posts of how do I start a private practice? How do I do billing? What is a super bill? And then, you know, mm-hmm. the super bill we learned from Michael McLeod a couple of weeks ago is, or I guess months ago, was that idea that you bill the patient and then you give them a bill and they send it to their insurance. Mm-hmm. How different was that to go from, oh, we're going to start a private practice, but it's not in person. It's all digital. What were some of those hoops like just to get get that started, get that off the ground? So I think that um, if there's if there's people listening who who wanted to do the route of telepractice with just as just being a speech pathologist it's definitely doable but i have to give a lot of kudos and credit to the team that we're working with for getting a lot of it off the ground because um starting the private practice you know getting set up as an llc all of those things i think those that little minutia might be honestly a lot of what holds people back from jumping in and starting their own private practice when we look at acquiring patients and clients, which I think is the next thing, like figuring out, okay, how do I even tell people I have a practice that they can come see? Um, since we're a telepractice company, all pretty much all of our acquisition comes from online. Um, when we were starting out here in Austin, we did do a little bit of what we referred to as ground game, where um, we, I would visit preschools, um, we would do some cold outreach to different, you know, general practitioners, pediatricians. Um, we didn't do a whole lot of, but I think an idea is always 
cold outreach to, you know, ENTs, maybe even dentists, people who might be looking for referrals um, to give out for someone who's a practitioner. Um, but a lot of ours comes from internet presence. And so we do a lot of work and analysis on Google ads and Facebook. Um, we have really, I mean, the social media presence, I think can't be overstated. It's huge. I mean, podcasts and blogs and all these things that, um, put so much information out there. It's, I think a big part of maybe getting uh, something set up for yourself is just getting yourself on all those platforms and making your presence known. Um, joining all the, trying to get in on all the mom groups and things like that. <laughs> so, you know, trying to go direct to the people who are looking for, who are likely to be looking for speech services. So one of the things that we always run into trouble when we're trying to, I don't want to say convince, but when we bring in new patients or we're trying to sell what we can do in therapy. And we always talk about, you know, the face-to-face -face time, the one-on-one -on -one time, you know, sitting across from your child or your adult. How does that shift when you're selling somebody about it through, through you know, telecommunications? Is it the big perk about them being at home or how does that, how does that sales pitch, and, and I hate to say what we do is a sales pitch, but I feel like sometimes it is. It's, hey, here's what I can do to help you. How does that sales pitch change when you're looking to build that telepractice clientele? That's a great question. So off the bat, we always make sure to do a consultation with people. So we offer that as a free service. You can contact us and we can answer any questions you have about how this works. And um, we also take that opportunity to find out more about what their concerns are to kind of get a preliminary idea of if it'll be in a, a good fit because we know that it's not it's not always going to be a good fit. Um, so the the pitch, for lack of a better word, really looks like um, explaining how it works across different age groups because that also changes when you're talking about early intervention age. I'm gonna give a lot of education and information on how it's gonna be, you know, a parent coaching model. I don't expect a two-year-old to sit and look at me across the screen and spend the whole 30 <laughs> minutes that way. You know, I let them know it's gonna be a lot more of them just interacting with you and then me coaching you along the way. Once we get to school age kids, what I explained to them in the consultation is that we're looking more at a model where the parent is alongside the kiddo. You know, the kiddo is interacting with me, but the parent is right there hopefully soaking up a lot of what we do in addition to being ready to ask questions and give feedback at the end so that they're always in the loop. Um, an older kid, you know, a, a 10 year old or a teenager, obviously they can attend the sessions completely independently and then we'll loop the family back in. Um, this, the pitch also includes a big part about convenience. So <laughs> getting, yeah, it really does. And I mean, I, I think an important part really what we view as an important part and a goal that we're achieving with telepractice is cutting down um, geographic barriers. You know, there's a lot of families who might have to drive an hour each way to go see the nearest speech pathologist, um, or maybe the nearest speech pathologist to them just doesn't have a whole lot of experience with cleft palate or fluency or AAC. Um, so 
you can cut down on those geographic barriers. Sometimes the pitch just becomes about for certain families, like not having to sit in traffic um, <laughs> to get to the clinic or not, you know, it makes it a lot easier to fit it into the kids' very busy schedules. You know, some families like to have those kids booked to the brim. <laughs> um, and the same goes for adults. So we serve adults too. So um, the convenience factor, flexible hours, um, you know, having some hours available after work, um, on Saturdays, things like that. Um, it's a, so it, it's a pitch that covers a lot of ground. Um, yeah. So when you talked about students that are not suitable or, or adults that are not suitable for telepractice, this is something that I'm running into because we're recording this March 26th, middle of a pandemic, Ohio shutdown. Mm -hmm. And I'm sending some stuff out. We're not doing telepractice quite yet. But I sent some stuff out. I recorded a video of myself and said, hey, here's what we're doing. And the email I got back from one of my parents was, uh, my other child loved your video, loved the activity, and did great. The student you're working with, and I'm trying to be very HIPAA, FERPA compliant, uh, yeah. looked at it, sighed, watched about 30 seconds of it, and then walked out of the room and <laughs> refused to look at the screen again unless we put on something that was not educational. So how do you make that decision? And then how do you tell a parent, hey, I'd love to take your money, but this isn't going to work? Like what, yeah. what's that first step on making sure that the, the client is telepractice, uh, telepracticeable? Yeah. So I think the first step is that consultation. And that gives us a good idea. Um, it's not that we would maybe make any direct calls about it. We might go ahead and lay just a little bit of preliminary groundwork for the fact that, um, again, for whatever reason, maybe the family's reaching out for online services because it's one of the few options that they have at the time, or you know, they're really looking for supplemental care that they can do from home. Um, at a different time. So not to throw the baby out with the bathwater in the consultation, but we might say, yeah, you know, we can get set up. We'll give it a try. We'll see how the first couple sessions go. And then I let them know all, you know, we're all licensed and certified. It's a part of our ethical standards that mm -hmm. if we are making a judgment that it's not a great fit or, if we give it our best shot and we we try creative ways to make it useful and <laughs> beneficial and functional and we still haven't cracked it that that we'll be upfront about that and and make the recommendation that you know I really think that goals would be better served by an in-person clinician um so sometimes i i think that i think that it's worth giving it a shot in most cases yeah. because even if you have a, a child who is maybe a little bit higher needs, a little bit um, more difficult to engage, um, or their disability is such that even training or coaching the parent or caregiver through engagement just takes a certain level of expertise and execution on those things. Um, I think in a lot of cases, it's worth a shot. Um, and for us, I mean, at least our business, it's very, we make it very low commitment as far as like, if you try a session or two with us, you're not, <laughs> you're not stuck. You can, you know, we can end at any time and, um, you know, oh, it's affordable enough that yeah, it's not a huge risk, but, um, yeah. And I, and I love, and let's just talk about Expressible for just a moment. I love mm -hmm. that you have your prices right on the website 
what was the thought process of doing that? Because like, and, and you know, anyone can go over to expressible.io and we'll have the link down in the show notes as well. But like one week session, $59, two sessions, $118 per week. And then that's two sessions per week. What was the idea about putting your prices on, you know, on front street, quote unquote, so many other therapies and private practices try to, I don't want to say hide those numbers, but what was the, the rationale or no rationale? What was the thought? Yeah. Um, I think just, I think really just transparency, transparency, but also, um, you know, we, we know that that's a really competitive price. And so I think that part of it might be, you know, we're set up on telepractice. That's kind of new people are, they have trepidation maybe. And so, um, it's a price where we feel like people are willing to try it. I think a, a big goal that we had was really testing the theory that we could also widen the market. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of people, um, maybe particularly even adults that wouldn't even perhaps pursue speech therapy for something because a lot of private oh. practice out-of-pocket sessions are they're cost prohibitive yeah um, hundreds of dollars at a time yeah and of course you know there's reasons for that and we definitely are not trying to undercut anybody but um <laughs> i i i think that we can you know we still pay a really competitive rate to our therapists and value the skills that they bring to the table i mean I myself am a therapist. I know <laughs> I, I want to be paid for the, the skills and the years experience that I have. Um, and so we do do that. But I think that our, our thought was really, you could widen the market. You might be catching people who otherwise wouldn't pursue it if their insurance didn't cover services. And so you're dealing with a bigger pool. And so you're able to bring the cost down and then yeah. just, you know, make it more, uh, affordable for people to bring more people in. That's kind of what caught my eye was because like, you know, when you're doing home care and and as a former home care therapist, you, have you ever done an Oasis or a start of care? I'm not sure what Oasis is. Okay. Well, maybe that's an Ohio thing, but anyway, it's like a start of care and you know, you're going through the paperwork and you're like, and if your insurance doesn't cover it, here's the cost of what speech therapy costs. And here's the cost of PT and home health aids and blah, blah, blah. And it almost feels like, and not every company does this, and I'm currently with a great home care company, but previous companies I've been with, they put that stuff in such small print Mm -hmm. that it almost feels like it's purposely hidden because they don't want anyone to go, oh my gosh, this costs 185. You saw me for 40 minutes and that's 180. They're paying you 185 or nine, whatever it is that, that's kind of why I was like, wow, that's really cool that you guys are putting the price right there. So what started, how did, where did Expressible get born at then, I guess? Was it you first or was it Spencer or Ryan or Nicholas? Or was it just everyone was sitting around with drinks one day going, we're done doing what we're doing. Let's start our own company. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a it's a good question. I, I guess you could say it was born in my house, probably mostly between um, Nicholas and I, but Nicholas has, he's always had a drive to begin his own company. And um, it's, we, we simultaneously would sort of separately talk about me beginning my own practice at some point and getting to do things the way that I would like to do. Um, 
having worked for other places where you always have someone above you dictating a lot. And so (laughs) it was sort of like always these two separate ideas. And then one day I came home probably venting about someone getting dropped off their insurance and now I can't see them for the next three (laughs) months or something. And he sort of said, well, why not this? And, and he, um, you know, Ryan and Spencer, the other teammates, they were people that he was already always kind of like brainstorming with about other potential ideas. So when we thought of it, we threw it to them and they were right on board to, to get it started. We, we all knew, I think that it was a good idea. So I know in every state there's different laws pertaining to telepractice and you know, there's a lot of therapies, a lot of therapists that look at telepractice as the evil stepbrother or stepsister of, of the in-person because it feels like, oh, you could steal my job, quote unquote. Um, I went to Kent State University as leveling courses and I, re- and I was actually on your website when you were looking up or I was looking up some of the research that you show. And actually, one of my professors was Dr. Grogan Johnson, who looked at the original research or one of the original researchers on telepractice. Okay. How do you, you know, one, balance that, hey, we're not trying to steal jobs. We're actually trying to help. But two, mm-hmm. how do you also balance, you know, you're in Texas. If you see someone in Louisiana not only do you have to be licensed in Louisiana, but now you've got to pay Louisiana dues or, you know, California, you know, California, Ohio. How do you balance those two sides of saying, yeah, we're not one, we're not here to try to take your job, but two, how do you balance where you're licensed at and taking care of this one's on a two year thing. This one's a year, this one's a three year evaluation. <laughs> that's, a, so, that's a big question. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. I'll see. <laughs> I'll see if I can keep my, my brain focused. So my fault, let's I start think- over. How would you handle the first question, which is, you know, how do you tell that therapist? No, we're not here to steal your job. We're actually here to make more people want there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. I think my point that I made before where it's almost like we're, we're widening the market. So in a lot of cases, we're capturing people who might otherwise not be captured um, in the net. And our, our net as speech therapists is wide cast, but Mm -hmm. there's still, there's people that get dropped. So the people that we're looking to pick up are those, like I said, where the gaps in insurance are happening or it's cost prohibitive um, to, it, on some levels. And so I think one point I would make separate of that is that there's always going to be a need for in-person therapists. You mm-hmm. need a speech therapist in hospitals. You need a speech therapists in skilled nursing facilities. You know, they're not those patients aren't going to jump online with you and do <laughs> do your sessions. Um, you know, those things are really important. And obviously schools, you know, some schools are switching to telepractice. Um, I think, you know, that's sort of a, that's sort of a different beast to me that, that telepractice approach and what it's being leveraged for. I think, I think I would have thought way back when that that was sort of just a way to squeeze more juice out of therapists. (laughs) Uh, um, And so I think that our, our view is taking a little differently. It's, it's, it's casting a wide net, I think is what I would say. And then now on the second part, how do you handle, 
you know, being licensed. How many states are you licensed in right now? I should ask that question first. So I myself am only licensed in one. I didn't, okay. you know, I didn't upkeep my licensure in Illinois where I, where I began my career. Um, Cause at that time I didn't think I'd be doing something like this. I thought I would only <laughs> need to practice where I was. Um, and I'm currently endeavoring to become licensed in California and Florida. Okay. Yeah. Florida actually passed a law in 2019 that is just for telehealth so you Ooh. sort it their their licensure it isn't like you're a florida licensed speech therapist you're more mm -hmm. like a you know a texas licensed speech okay. therapist practicing telehealth in florida <laughs> and this interstate compact should help a whole lot yeah. if it ever passes <laughs> yeah well i think gosh gee golly it would it certainly would help um i can say personally that even even doing the research for what what's required for licensure is such a pain and it's definitely a reason <laughs> that people don't just go get licensed in a bunch of different states because they make it such a nightmare yep. well i live here in cincinnati and if i drive legit 30 35 minutes west i'm in indiana and mm -hmm. 30 35 minutes south i'm in kentucky and i purposely don't look at jobs in those areas because I don't want to deal with the headache of, of a multi-state license or getting another state licensure where people that are in the middle of a state, they go, Oh, I can get a job at this hundred mile radius around my city. And you're in here, you know? So I always kind of wonder about that with the telepractice. Yeah. You had mentioned research and I brought up Dr. Grogan Johnson uh, earlier. I remember being a, uh, my original degree was not in speech and language. So I was taking leveling courses at, at Kent. And mm -hmm. I remember her doing some of this research while I was at Kent State, looking at the efficacy of working with students that were so not in the area. And as a new person to this field, <clears throat> excuse me, as a new person in this field, it was so cool to watch her do face-to-face -face over video. And she'd come to class and say, oh yeah, no, this student that we're going to watch, you know, in class, you know, they're located six hours from here or whatever it mm -hmm. was. How important is it that people understand that one, the research shows that this is just as ethical and works just as well. The efficacy is just as good for telepractice as face-to-face -face for certain things, obviously. I think it's super important to, to know that. And, you know, I always laugh at the end of research papers where you'll read the whole thing and you, you'll feel like you finished reading it, coming away with some conclusion. And then in the conclusions, <laughs> it says there's no conclusion here. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite part. <laughs> or more research is warranted. Of course, more research is always warranted and we will always continue to do that warranted research. But um, so I think that and, and when you look at speech, you know, it, it breaks out into such tiny pieces with different diagnoses and different um, things that can come into play. So I guess my, my, disc, my disclaimer is that for a lot of these things, maybe, maybe the word is still out um, on those more, you know, on doing telepractice for AAC users, hmm. on telepractice for feeding concerns or dysphagia. Um, I mean, ASHA lists dysphagia on there. We don't, we don't currently serve clients You guys don't do clients dysphagia? There. We don't, um, we, you know, it's something that we're 
we're we're trying to do our own research. We're trying mm-hmm. to figure that out. Get Makes in sense. touch with other people who might know more about it because Asha has it up there as being a thing you can do. But um, <laughs> so the disclaimer is like, of course, the word is still out on some of it. But yeah, the fact that research has shown that it's it can be just as effective. Um, while you also are adding all these convenience factors and access factors. Um, Really, the accessibility is huge. I know that internet connection comes into play and has been coming into play for the people who, due to the current pandemic, are having to jump in with students or other um, patients because you know, it's not equitable. Maybe a lot of families or students don't have equitable access to internet. So that's something that we don't, we don't personally come up against because, Mm -hmm. you know, people are referring themselves to us knowing that we're an online company and they probably need to have internet connection. But, um, so I think that I, I also think it's important for therapists to keep in mind that fighting, fighting change typically doesn't (laughs) go that well. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's change, change is inevitable. I think that I had um, a therapist, I had a therapist supervisor or not a therapist supervisor, just a therapist that was like an older therapist that we kind of looked to as like, not a supervisor, but you know, I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And they told me flat out, I don't do AAC because all of that stuff came after I graduated and I'm too old to learn. And I was like, what you, what? (laughs) <laughs> and they were like, so I just make these books for the kids. And I was like, what? So oh, I apologize. No. I didn't mean to interrupt. But as soon as you <laughs> said fighting change, I was like, oh, I've been there. I've been in that meeting where they were like, I'm not doing any of this AAC stuff because I didn't learn about it. And I'm like, what? You got to do credit yeah. hours. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very true. I think, I think even, and I'm not, I'm not all that terribly old I don't think but even when I was in school um I would have still even fought against the fact that tele you know telepractice oh but what about the social connection this very human connection that communication is all about and being in the room with someone and um not looking at screens all day um it's true. It's something I still I still think about the fact that it is on the screen. But I think that what I would would say is that you I we still make very deep connections with the people that we're serving, with the families that we're serving. The kids are excited to jump on the call. Um, right. <laughs> you know the little babies. Like I have families that tell me the little two year old will be like, "Call Leanne, call Leanne." Like get Leanne on the line. (laughs) I'm ready for her. So, um, that connection is still there. And, um, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought on the original question, but I I think don't fight the change. (laughs) If you don't like, you know, I know that a lot of therapists they're jumping in right now because they have to, mm -hmm. I think they're finding at least I mean, first of all, everything's really overwhelming. And so that's, yeah, (laughs) everything's overwhelming and you're not going to like that feeling. So it might sour the taste in your mouth, but I I would say um, it's okay if you don't like it. You don't, you definitely don't have to do it because the real in-person jobs are still going to be there. Um, But also, you know, stay open-minded about it because it it can be not in a less stressful situation. Mm -hmm. It can feel much less overwhelming. 
Well, and, and you were talking about making those connections and then, you know, I'm kind of perusing your website as we talk. And one of the things it says is, you know, you can chat with your therapist five days a week with quick response times. Like how important was that for you guys to set yourself apart? Like, cause I think about for myself, if I need to call my doctor or if I need to call my son's doc, you know, I have two, two boys that are always getting hurt, you know, it's, I'll call in, talk to the nurse. The nurse is like, okay, well, I can't tell you anything. Let me talk to the doctor. Three hours later, four hours later, maybe the doctor will call. Maybe it's the nurse. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there's no, you know, and it's the same way. Like, and, and we've all worked in clinics before where a parent calls you and you say, it leaves a voicemail and you're like, oh, I've got eight, eight clients today. I'll give them a call later. Or oh, it's that one. I'll get this at the end of the day. How important was that for you guys to set up this text, you know, text messaging, quote unquote, for instant communication back and forth? Yeah, that was really important to us to um, kind of set us apart. I think that, so the, the system we use, just so everyone knows, it's a HIPAA compliant texting service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's HIPAA compliant texting service, which is really awesome. Um, the idea really being that, you know, especially for us again, cause we're, we're out of pocket. So people are paying, they, mm -hmm. we really want to see progress. And so if they have questions about anything, um, if it's administrative, if it's like billing or getting set up or something, the service actually lets you triage things like that. Oh, like cool. the, the, the text gets seen by their lead therapist, but also like the manager or like an administrator on the team who can help triage things like that so it doesn't oh, cool. overwhelm our therapists but yeah. if it's a clinical question like hey leanne trying to do this homework with my kid and having a lot of trouble here do you have any hints you can send off a quick text if you have even just a minute and you've helped support them they now feel supported they continue practicing they're likely to get better outcomes that's such a cool idea. And and you were saying fighting before I asked that question, fighting the technology a little bit. And honestly, even though I did go to Kent for a year and saw Dr. Grogan Johnson, I was still like, what are we going to do? And I'm starting to like dip my toe into it now because I have to. And I'm like, wow, this is actually, I, I mean, I'm dressed the way I'm dressed right now. I would never show up for a therapy setting for, <laughs> but, and, and this is why it's radio or a podcast. But we talk about, you said HIPAA compliant text messaging. You know, there are rules that it has to be HIPAA compliant, non-forward facing videos. And I've learned what a forward facing video is, is like Facebook Live or um, TikTok. They mm -hmm. literally put in a rule that we can't use TikTok. I was like, I would never <laughs> do therapy on TikTok, but cool. Would it just be like you're sending dance moves to I one have no idea. Them? It's like, all right, everyone, let's do I don't, I really have no idea, but what was, what's that hoop like to make sure that your video is that encrypted? I mean, we talk about in the therapy world, you know, all my documents need to be behind two locked doors. And I've gone to administrators and say, I've only got one locked door and the printer's located in here, move it, or it's a HIPAA violation. Mm -hmm. what do you guys have to do to make sure that the video and then whatever data you have stored, I'm assuming you record the videos. 
We don't, we oh, don't record okay. them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think there's definitely, I think you can, if you have a get like explicit written consent. That's what I was wondering. Okay. Um, so yeah. how do you guys handle the HIPAA compliancy then on the videos? Yeah. So we, we use a third party platform right now. We use simple practice. Hmm. I don't know if there's like indoor. <laughs> I, I've never heard I, of them. Okay, yeah, simple practice. I mean, there's a number of them out there. I know they've been thrown all over those discussion boards. Um, Simplepractice.com. Okay. Yeah, simple practice, and they are. I, I think as well, like Fair Platform, different oh. ones. They serve a couple other healthcare professionals, like therapists, counselors, psychiatrists, um, and so the their video is already comes HIPAA compliant and secure and encrypted. Their doc you can store your documentation on there in the same way. So, in that in that regard, we don't have to worry about it. The only thing, like if someone was looking to jump in, and again, this has been on all those group discussion pages, is that they come with a they come with a price tag, right? So some right. of the like we're on Zoom right now. The free version of Zoom is not HIPAA compliant. They, oh, it's not. No, the free oh. version is not. They have a version that is HIPAA compliant, but it, it it's $200 a month, I believe, which is pretty <laughs> steep. Um, I don't know. Don't, don't call me Zoom. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, we use full, <laughs> full transparency, full transparency on the speech science podcast. Yeah. We use the free version. And when Michelle, Michael and I are on the same show at about 35 minutes, that's why we take a break because I have to call everybody back because we run out of free airtime at 40 minutes. Uh, interesting. <laughs> that's okay. why there's a break in our show. <laughs> Not for that's why we have a Patreon. That's why we have a Patreon. Yeah. But okay, so that's pretty cool. So you guys use Simply Practice, and then I guess that takes a lot of the tech troubleshooting out of the picture. Then it does. It that's removes awesome. a lot of the tech troubleshooting, and I know that some different ones. I think there's one called like Blink, maybe. Um, I think there's there's great resources like um, Facebook group. You you can join like Telepractice for SLPs, um, and I know the people who have those groups like they have really nicely prepared documents of comparing That's platforms. Cool. Yeah. So they, I know they were spreading that information around a lot for people who are having to jump in. Um, so the information is available to help you compare which one might be best, okay. which one's HIPAA compliant, what kind of bells and whistles they come with. Do they have screen sharing? Do they have remote access where the person on the other side can take control of the mouse to do interactive cards or interactive games, things now like does, that. Does yours do that then? Are you able to take control of their mouse or they are Sim able to yours? Um, Simple Practice does have screen sharing, but does okay. not have the remote access, no. Yeah. So we're going to, as we talk, I'm thinking about that I want to get this on air as, as soon as possible. So probably mm -hmm. on, this will probably be airing episode 108. Um, but so anyone that's listening, yes, this is episode, it should be 108. Like, does it worry you that because everyone is now rushing, you're a tele, telehealth therapist or telepractice therapist, does it worry you that a lot of these states are rushing through legislation to, because of the COVID-19, we're just mm -hmm. scrambling to get services done for students. And a lot of times they are, you know, giving the wink and the nod of don't allow rule breakings to stop you from delivering therapy. And a lot of times those rules are in place for patient safety. Does that bother you as a, as a licensed 
speech and language pathologist that does telepractice to see a lot of these states rush in these like, I don't want to call them shady. It's just questionable. It, it does, I think. <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> trying to put answers, you on the spot. Yes. I'm not trying to put you on the spot with that yeah. at all. No, I think short answer, yes, because, I mean, we have always been trained to hold those things as tantamount. I mean, mm -hmm. HIPAA and FERPA, it's like bar one for us. Right, right. Um, so to throw them out the window because of the crisis, I think, uh, I mean, I like half of me wants to say like, I get it, you know, but half right. of me wants to say, I, I get it. You don't want these kids to be missing out on their services. Um, but <laughs> no, I, I, the, I mean, yeah. the reason I ask is because, you know, I'm the, the ASHA seal for Ohio. I am the mm -hmm. school's rep for Ohio for the association. And, and because of that, I, I follow a couple different States and kind of read what other States are doing. And I'm not going to say what state is doing it, but it, and it's not Ohio, but there's this, you know, hey, don't let, go see your kids. Don't let the rules get in the way. We're not going to hurt your license, which, cool. But I, I feel like part of that takes away some of that fight that you guys do on the telepractice front of making sure that, you know, you pay for simply practice to make sure you're following these rules if I can just do it with Google Hangouts, what's the point? Does, do you see what I'm asking? I don't know. Yes, <laughs> I do. I see what you're asking. Like why, like other therapists who have done all this work and yeah, yeah exactly. Like you said, pay, pay the money for the services. Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, but I, I guess think that's that more I'm of not, a philosophical question versus. Yeah. A... <laughs> it's like, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not too, I'm not mad about it so much from that front. Like, right. and I'm not in a huff about the fact that we pay for simple practice. Right. Well, <laughs> no, someone else beside me doesn't. I think I'm more in a huff about the fact that these regulations that are so important and that we hold to the utmost are, are just like suddenly not important anymore. Right. And again, I get, it's like, it's the craziest unprecedented, <laughs> unprecedented situation ever. So I'm not saying that I think they like totally are screwing up. I think everyone's doing the very best that they can of in course. a weird situation, but is it a, the choice that I would have voted for? Maybe not. Yeah. I just, I've had some weird thoughts about it as a, as like I'm reading legislation come in from other States and they're just like, you know, deliver what you can try to avoid Google Hangout because the link stays live and people can get on it later. And it's like, yeah. well, I'm sorry, what? I, that's not HIPAA, what? So I don't yeah. know, I guess that was more than my philosophical. A as we wrap this up, uh, you know, I love expressible.io. That's the website to come find you guys. What would you say to that therapist? Normally I would say, what do you say to that therapist thinking about telepractice? Mm -hmm. What do you say to that therapist now that's been thrown into telepractice. I've heard hospitals are leaving iPads in rooms for therapy and the therapist is hanging out outside. I don't want to say hanging out, but you know, yeah. standing outside the room or standing down in their office. What do you say to that therapist? That's like, Oh my gosh, I, I how do I do this? I am so overwhelmed. Yeah. I think my, my first suggestion is like, 
I don't just pat yourself on the back for the fact that you showed up and you're there and you're willing to try and you're willing to do it, even though it feels completely <laughs> overwhelming. Um, I, I, I mean, therapists are, are historically very flexible people. We have to be in any given session. So I think in that regard, again, pat yourself on the back. Step right. two would be take a deep breath and remember that you have a bunch of knowledge that you learned in your training, in your schooling, in your clinical practicum, and then all your years of experience. So it's not like you come to the table with a blank slate <laughs> of anything. You you come to the to the tablet or the computer with a whole heck of a lot. And it it, you know, especially in, in a situation like this, it doesn't have to be the prettiest therapy in the world. And sometimes even when you're in a session where you thought you knew a lot, you thought you had a good plan, it ends up not being the prettiest. Um, so I think keep that in mind, like remind yourself that sometimes you have sessions that don't go that great in another circumstance that's not this. Um, and so, you know, try, you know, I think that lots of people out there are sharing resources and offering ways to make small tweaks in order to still get done functional, beneficial therapy. Of course, we always want it to be functional mm -hmm. and helpful. We don't just wanna be on the computer for 30 minutes, not accomplishing anything. Um, even if you accomplish one thing, call it a victory for that first day. And next day, try to see if you can Go accomplish two. two things. Yeah. <laughs> so if we've got a therapist out there that wants to know more about Expressible, they got expressible.io. Are you guys always looking to hire more therapists in certain areas? What should the therapist, if there's a therapist that, you know, listening to the show that goes, I love telehealth. Leanne sounds like an awesome person to work with. Spencer Ryan and, and uh, Nicholas don't sound terrible to work with either. What, <laughs> you know, are you guys looking to do that? Where do they go for more information, stuff like that? Yeah, so they can visit our site and we have a for therapist page that describes a lot more about what it is like to work with us and joining our team. Um, you know, I don't think it describes anything about how dope we are, but <laughs> like I think that's personally. under the about us page. I think that's the yeah, about us. Yeah, there you page. go. There you go. Um, so they can certainly learn more there if they have any just general questions like if they want to ask a question about telepractice in general, maybe not about joining the team, they can they can find us on Facebook. They can shoot us an email to info at expressible.io. Um, we we have begun, you know, producing um, quote unquote content like video content. Um, that they can check out and blogs that we hopefully um, they can view as a resource. So we try to put a lot out there um, to soak up. But yeah, I think I would say visit the site or send us an email. Uh, Facebook.com slash Expressible and Expressible.io, right? Yeah, exactly. Leanne, thank you so much for sitting down with us and uh, good luck. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a fun one. <laughs> I'm Stephanie Munoz from the Informed SLP. Let's say you run into a former patient on the street. You had seen him for therapy four or five years ago after his third concussion. He tells you that he's training for a new job at work 
and having a really hard time pulling together everything he's supposed to learn. And he wants to know, could his concussions have anything to do with the difficulty he's facing? What do you tell him? This new study by Stockbridge and Newman in the American Journal of Speech-Language Mythology might help. They compared cognitive linguistic performance of adolescents and young adults with and without a remote history of concussion. The average time since the most recent concussion was almost five years. They found that the participants with a history of concussion scored similarly to the control group when they did individual cognitive linguistic tasks or a basic narrative task. These are things like backwards digit span, naming as many words as you can that start with F in a minute, or writing the Cinderella story while looking at a set of pictures. Okay, let's stop here for a second. The concussion and no concussion groups look the same. And if this were in an assessment, the patient would probably look pretty good. Everything so far has been in the normal range. But then, when the researchers gave the participants a more complex narrative task, differences between the two groups did show up. In this task, participants watched a silent video showing a story that they had never seen before. Then they had five minutes to write down their version of what happened in the story from memory. The participants with a history of concussion included fewer key events and details when they wrote out the story. The concussion group also used more nonspecific and general words like stuff, thing, or person. And another interesting finding, the more lifetime concussions, the fewer details the participant included. Let's now go back to that question from your former patient. Can his old concussion still be affecting him now? While you can't say for sure, there's reason to believe that yes, his concussions might be making it harder for him to learn complex new information at work, especially under time pressure. And if he wants to try cognitive linguistic therapy again, hopefully his SLP will include complex tasks like this one to help identify his more subtle impairments that are still affecting his daily life. To learn more about this paper and other new research, check out our reviews on theinformedslp.com. There's links to both the original article and the review in the show notes. The Informed SLP makes it easy for you to stay up to date on all of the clinically relevant research across the lifespan that comes out every month. Know what works to do what works. Welcome back to Speech Science episode number 109. Next week, 110. I'm kind of excited by that. 110. We have enough now to go into syndication where you could play us Monday through Friday, one episode a day, and it wouldn't repeat for two years. Oh, I have a question for you guys before we get into the next part. I always ask my, pa my therapy patients this question. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> if all you could do was watch one show or movie series for a whole year what tv show series or movie series would you watch so for example like the jurassic park films there's five james bond there's 24 films what film or movie series would you watch in a loop so like 24 hours a day seven days a week episode one plays and then two three four five can it be a tv show yeah it could be a tv show oh man I'm going with The Office. Office. Okay. 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 Say, and it will repeat. I'm just letting you know it will repeat. But there's a lot of seasons and yeah. at least it's funny. It gets kinda it gets kinda bad at the end though. 
That's true. You know, know, like once true. once Michael Scott leaves and once Jim and Pam get together, it kind of uh kind of kind of loses its. its yeah, time. so I don't have to pay that much attention then, but I can watch yeah. the the early seasons part and zone out during the rest. That's nice. I like it. <laughs> I would probably I would say Seinfeld would be up there. Uh, Always Sunny would be up there. That's a good one. Um, I like Impractical Jokers now. That's a great show. Yeah, my sister loves that. It's a great one. show. That it's, is just, a good it's, one. Just, it's just always on TV. It is. All right. So I have an answer for mine. Go ahead, Matt. It is the Law and Order franchise. Okay. Okay. So you and can claim the, the whole franchise for Law oh, and yeah, Order. Yeah. Wow. Oh, you yeah, just yeah, went yeah. real broad. <laughs> I did. Law and Order. Here's the reason Law and Order SVU. Even though I don't really like crime dramas, here's the reason Law and Order SVU. If you watched every single episode, it would take you 19 days and 21 hours. How long did you have to answer this question? I've been asking it for eight years. Exactly. That's why you have way too much Uh, info for your answer. Regular Law and Order is another 19 days. Law and Order Criminal Intent will give you another eight days and three hours. Law and Order LA will give you another 22 hours. And then Law and Order UK will give you another two days, five hours. Well, then I'm claiming the Office UK too. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) But realistically, I will not run out of, I only have to watch the same episodes like four times during the whole year. Okay. I like your thinking, but you had way too much time to answer that. I know. Right. All right. You were just listening to our interview with Expressible.io founder, uh, Leanne Sherrod. We also listened to the Informed SLP. Shout out to Dr. Meredith Harold and Stephanie over there for taking their time to record those for us and the adverse long-term effects of a concussion. Uh, now we turn a spotlight towards ASHA. It's easy to complain about what they don't do or easy to complain about our dues every year. And I've seen it on Facebook where they complain about the fun videos they make. Aww. So we'd like, to, I know, we'd like to take a spotlight and look at some of the things that they are doing right. And one of the things they are doing right is the asha.org slash about slash coronavirus updates. It is your one shop, one stop shop for everything Corona COVID-19 um, and its impact on SLPs and telepractice. It's actually a really nice little single landing page, I guess you could say. I need to check that out. Yep, yeah, I just linked it to you. Thank nice. you. Um, but yeah, no, I've used it this week when we were looking at telepractice answers, uh, you know, sitting as the ASHA seal. I'll get questions sometimes across the state about what is happening with telepractice rules in Ohio. And honestly, it's happening so quick that I have no idea. So I do have to lean on the Ohio board, the other members of the Ohio Association, and then, of course, the ASHA side. So, So there you go. Something nice. All right, so usually at this point, we look at the hot take, which is where one of us steps up under the spotlight, complains for a good 90 seconds to two minutes, and we complain about something. However, we're willows, and we change. And this week, Michael, you're not in the hot spot. What do we call it? A hot take. You are in the hot seat. And Michelle, please explain this game to Michael. All right, Mike, so... We will set a timer for one minute. And in 60 seconds, your goal is to answer as many questions about yourself as possible. So a little get to know you thing. And Matt and I get to fire off questions. So 
as I said, you want to answer as many questions as possible. That means you can pass if the answer would take too long, if you just don't want to answer it. <laughs> and uh, we're giving you an out there. Um, but Good. I'll I'm keep glad. track of how many you answer. How about that? Okay. And what's our time on this? 60 seconds. You got the timer, Matt? Let's give them two minutes. No, do 60 seconds. Trust me. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's see. I've got a timer set for one minute, and I'm ready to go. It's going to be a long want. minute. Michael, when you hear this sound. <laughs> no, nope, that's boring. <laughs> Michael, you would be a reflection of life. Oh, that's the boring one, too. <laughs> they're all boring. They're all boring on the phone. All right. I got it. I'm ready whenever you guys are. Michelle, you start us off. All right. You tell me when to go. Mark, get set. Hot seat. Mike, what's your favorite color? Blue. Where were... What would you name your boat if you had one? Boat? Yes. <laughs> uh, pass. Where were you born? Uh, Long Island. Do you think cereal is a soup? No. How many siblings do you have? One. What is a secret conspiracy you would like to see? <laughs> uh, the JFK murder, probably. Um, top two movies you've ever seen? Uh, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. <laughs> Where did you get these questions? <laughs> Keep going! <laughs> um, are you the oldest or the youngest of your siblings? Youngest. What's the most useless talent you have? Balancing things on my finger. That's so specific. <laughs> I'm really good at it. How long have you worn glasses? Um, like 15 years. What's the weirdest smell you've ever smelled? Ooh, uh, I would say hot garbage. What's one <laughs> thing you want to accomplish in the next year? Um, oh, that's a good one. Uh, I would. Hurry. I would probably say traveling, traveling, and doing more conferences internationally. If animals could talk, which animal would be the rudest? Turtles. So let's see. I don't. That is a really fun game. It's actually. a good one. And a minute is long How do I enough. Stop this? I don't know. But um, I may have counted incorrectly, but you did roughly 13 questions. Any listeners okay. can correct me if I counted wrong. Okay. So you're asking where I get my questions from. I use some of those questions in therapy, not all of them. But uh, if you are needing something that is good to use on your phone when you are in therapy and you need some good WH questions, uh, it's conversationstartersworld.com. I like it. Yeah, they've got everything from this or that to 21 questions. Um, and these are under either funny questions or list of fun questions. See, it wasn't so bad, Mike, right? Yeah, that's no. all right. I just like Michael's look when I was like, if you had a boat, what would you name it? You're like, boat? That was way I did. That, that requires time. That requires time. That's a, that's a, that's a real decision. You can answer right that one next oh, week. Oh, man. That's too much. That was actually fun, Michelle. I really liked that. Great job. Thanks. All right, guys. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's send it home. Episode 109 is in the books. 110 comes in a week. Uh, what are you guys doing this week? Not therapy related because I feel like with everyone practicing from home, work can kind of bleed into all parts of the day. So what are you doing this week that is not work-related? Uh, sitting around the house, exercising, uh, trying to go for walks, washing my hands, <laughs> uh, trying to get uh, delivery to the house. 
Yeah, things like that. Michelle? <laughs> so real life about washing hands, by the way, because spending time outside with my son is one of the things I'll be doing. Yeah. He has a little playhouse in the backyard, just one that we got secondhand, and it has a sink in it. And especially in the last week, he's been going out there and going, wash, 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 wash. <laughs> Gotta get that virus off. <laughs> Washing our hands so much, but... Um, Nonetheless, spending as much time outside as I can. There you go. And um, and actually pulling out my sewing machine. I've got a couple projects to include making some masks, but um, there you go. But a couple other fun ones. Yeah, be careful with those masks. The research last week showed that you'll actually get more infected with them. Really? Cloth mask than you will with a surgical mask. Well, I'm right. thinking more just for the the right. basic coverage, not for um, medical. It's medical safety right and as a for reminder me, am... for me to like not touch my face <laughs> i touch my sewer. face more when i'm wearing a mask by the way because i have to hold it so it doesn't come off while i'm doing therapy well hmm. Mm. Uh, this week not work related i am getting my office organized and under control and i am perfecting some recipes on the grill Woo! that is the exciting non-therapy life that i am leading this week it's boring, guys. I'm just saying, quarantine is boring. Like it's not lots so of bad. You're Our perfecting your is... grilling recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by not burning everything. Our <laughs> intro music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, License Iron Attribution, and Share Alike License. Our bump music is County Fair Rock, copyright of John Deku. Check all of his music out at soundcloud.com slash music. The informed SLP, the music under that was At The Count by Broke For Free. It's licensed under a Creative Commons and Attribution license. And our closing music playing right now by Kevin McLeod. It's the Slow Burn, licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution license. In the middle of a pandemic, all you can do is be a willow. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, the oak will crack under pressure. The willow will bend and return to form. And the willow out in front of my house lost a ton of branches last year, but is looking gorgeous as it regrows its shape uh, this spring. And I think that is what's going to happen to all of us as we all regrow our shapes of therapy here in about 6 to 12, 18, 25 weeks, whatever that is. For Michael McLeod, Michelle Wintering, I'm Matt Hot. Until next week, so long, everybody. Bye. Bye. This has been an Exceptional Podcast Network production. Speech Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. For more original podcasts, please visit ExceptionalEd.com and rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.